Thank you for your presence today. Soul searching can be an unenviable task, particularly if we are unwilling to stand before God and see ourselves as He sees us. Are we truly living for Christ? Are we bearing witness of true salvation? Or are we just going through the motions without fruit that bears true conversion? Are we dealing with our spiritual deficiencies? Are we confessing and repenting of our sins and depending on God to strengthen us? Listen with Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander imparts wisdom to us today. Pick up where we left off the last time, a couple of weeks ago. We want to preach from Psalms 139, verses 23 and 24, and 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. These two verses, they are our theme texts for this diagnostic inventory that we've been taking in recent Sundays. Psalms 139, verses 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 is another theme uh, verse for this series. And it says, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. And once again, we are preaching from the subject, a soul-searching evaluation for genuine salvation and spiritual maturity. A soul-searching evaluation for genuine salvation and spiritual maturity. If we're going to experience revival and see God do extraordinary things through us, we are most wise indeed if we would just sit before the Lord and ask him to examine our lives. Sit before the Lord and have him to evaluate us as we also evaluate ourselves and do some earnest soul searching before the Lord Jesus Christ. This Diagnostic spiritual self inventory. Uh, it is designed to see where you are spiritually. It's designed to show you if you are in fact saved without a doubt, or perhaps if you are saved, it's it's designed to also show you where you are in your spiritual level as it relates to your walk in Christ. And uh, and some people think they are spiritual, but when you really do some self check inventory inventory of yourself, you'll find out that you're not as far along as you think you are. So what we want to do is we want to continue to ask ourselves a series of questions, soul searching, penetrating questions to make us think about where we are with the Lord and where we are spiritually for the sake of God. With that being said, we're going to continue the questions A couple of these will be reviewed and then we'll just proceed on. God gave me new insights. And so when he keeps giving me new insight, I keep preaching them because he wants us to know them, right? First question is, are you a doer of the word of God and not only a hearer? Are you a doer of the word of God and not only a hearer? In other words, do you obey, apply, and practice what you hear? Do you obey, apply, and practice what you hear? 
A very uh, uh, good text on that is found in Philippians 4, 9, which says, the things which you learn and receive and heard and saw in me, now underline th- these two words, these do. Do what? What you've learned, what you've received, what you heard, and what you saw. That's what you do. And the God of peace will be with whom? You. Then James chapter 1 verse 22 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. In other words, if you're hearing and not doing, you are self-deceived according to the scripture. In other words, what am I saying? God holds us responsible and accountable for what we do or fail to do with the word of the living God. He holds us responsible and what? Accountable for what we do or fail to do with the word of the living God. One cannot grow in wisdom. One cannot grow in knowledge. One cannot grow in spiritual understanding. One cannot grow in discernment. If you are ignoring the word of God or if you are suppressing the word of God, if you are resisting the word of God or if you are rebelling the word of God or if you're not putting the word of God that you're hearing into practice, which is where the rubber hits the road. You see, beloved, hearing and obeying the word of God should be inseparable. Did you get that? That's very, very critical that we would know that hearing and obeying the word of God should be inseparable. In other words, if you obey God's word, you have really heard. And if you are disobedient to the scripture here and what it says, then you have not really heard. The question is, is there defiance in your hearing? How do you know when there's defiance in your hearing? I don't know. I'm not going to do that. You know, that that's oh, I wish she had been here to hear that. That was for her or that was for him. No, God has you here and what you're hearing is for you. And so and and people get upset because of 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 the word of God stepping all over their lives. And some people resent it. Some people get mad at the preacher. Some people get mad at other folk. And uh, but they don't get mad enough to do something about themselves as it relates to spiritual adjustment. It's possible to be so defiant in your hearing that you can get up and walk out on the word of God because it's not what you want to hear or they say it is too harsh. They say the word of God, you know, uh, you know that preacher over there, he's too harsh. No, it's not too harsh. It's that you don't want to conform. So if conformity is the issue, then perhaps it is too Hush. You know, you can find all kind of reasons to rationalize the word of God away and make something else the issue when the issue is really you. Another thing we want to say about this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Now, this is a new insight. I didn't give you this one last time. Knowing knowledge without obedience will result in spiritual stagnation and regression in the believer's life. Knowledge without what? Will Knowledge without obedience will result in spiritual stagnation and regression in a believer's life. It is highly possible to increase in knowledge and not grow spiritually 
because of an inability to apply the word of God to your life. Now, you know, that is really tough. You're gaining knowledge. You know what the Bible verses you memorize. You know what the text says. But but then your life is stagnant. As a matter of fact, it's going in reverse. And you say, well, why is that? Because of the inability to actually practice to be doers of the word of God. I mean, if you have knowledge without application, that is just as bad as someone not doing the word because they don't even have knowledge at all. Because you're responsible for what you know. You know, and 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 uh, in other words, it, it, it gets to your head, but not your heart. You know, you, you can know scripture memory and still go to hell. You can go to hell biblically literate. I mean, with now that's getting scary. You can have the knowledge of the word of God and bust hell wide open. That's right. You say, how do you do that? Well, you, you, you have it, but you don't practice it. Uh, you squish it, you hinder it, you ignore it, and uh, you, you, you distort it and all these kinds of things. And it's to the detriment of your life spiritually as well as your family. The, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees had knowledge. You couldn't beat them with the scripture. But man, God just, ooh, God, ooh, he just stepped all over them and put them in their place. You know, he called them hypocrites and everything else. You, you, you in my way, you're getting another folk, you're getting another folk way who wants to come into the kingdom of God. He called them hypocrites and whitewashed tombs and everything. Knowledge, but did not have Christ. You can be religious and lost. Knowledge without obedience will result in spiritual stagnation and regression in the believer's life. If you've got knowledge, and you still acting spiritually stupid, something's wrong. That's right. You ought to be growing. That knowledge ought to be put into practice. It ought to, it ought to be at work in your heart. Uh, here's another insight we need to realize. When we hear, receive, and submit. Say hear, receive, submit. When we hear, receive, and submit to God's word, it brings conviction which moves us to repentance and turn us away from our sins to Jesus Christ. Do you know the word of God, when you hear it and when you receive it, it brings conviction through the work of the Holy Spirit to the point that it moves you to repentance. Have you ever begun to read, digest, and internalize the word of God, and all of a sudden you have to put the word of God down and just outright repent? Has the word of God ever convicted you to the point of repentance? You didn't have a preacher around. You didn't have a missionary around. You didn't have your Bible study fellowship teacher around. You didn't have some big Bible celebrity uh, on radio or television around. You just looked at the word somewhere along the day and you began to see yourself in light of God's word and you became brokenhearted and contrite and convicted to the point that you had to stop and repent because of the convicting work of the Holy Ghost as you began to read, internalize, and digest the word of the living God. Be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. My friends, a believer 
who hears and puts the word of God into practice is blessed. You think one of people talking about I'm blessed and highly favored. Stop saying those spiritual jingles. A believer who hears and puts the word of God into practice is blessed. That's the person who's blessed. That's the person who is set free from the bondage of sin. This book will set you free. Beloved, there is liberating power. I didn't say this last time. You better be writing it. There is liberating power inherent in the word of God when it is applied to one's life. That's a big thought. There's what kind of power? Liberating power. Say liberating power. Emancipating power. The, The word of God has the capacity and the ability to set you free. And and there are a lot of things that can hold us in spiritual shackles, but the word of God, when activated in one's life, internalized, and when unleashed to the glory of God, will liberate you and will continue the sanctifying process in one's life to the glory of Almighty God. I mean, the word of God will stop you from cussing. That's right. It'll deliver you. The word of God will deliver you from pornography. It deliver you from negative thoughts, deliver you from selfishness and greed and backbiting and all these things. It, it has in it inherent in the word of God. And that's why Satan does everything within his power to keep you from this book is because of the authoritative, of the authoritative liberating power that is inherent in the word of God, that's why all hell break out when you pick up this book. That's why Satan does everything within his power. He uses every resource at his disposal because he knows if he can if, 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 if he can keep you from this book, he can keep you bound, he can keep you in spiritual bondage, and he can keep you locked up to his own satisfaction. But when you begin to get this book and get serious about this book, and you begin to look at this book and read this book, internalize this book or practice this book, all of a sudden God began to break up things in your life. He begins to break down strongholds that's been setting you, that have had you bound and in captivity for so long. This book has the capacity and the power to liberate you and set you free. That's a powerful thing. That is a powerful thing. Secondly, I like to say, we'll go on from there. Have you ceased from taking the Lord's name in vain? Have you ceased from taking the Lord's name in vain? You say, I said that last time I did, but I'm going to say a whole lot more I didn't say the last time. Because God is still speaking uh, as I uh, am led by the Spirit to develop uh, this inventory. Exodus 27 says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. What is that saying? We will one day answer to God as to how we use and treat the name of Jehovah God. You're going to one day, all of us, answer to God as to how we use and treat The name of Jehovah God, for he is our great creator, for he is our sovereign Lord, and he is our great judge of the universe. And if he's all that, I wouldn't mess with his name. 
So much so that Isaiah chapter 8 verse 13 says, but the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. Let him be your dread. In other words, we need to repent when we, when we do not take the name of the Lord seriously. His name is high and holy and must be reverence. His name, the name of Jesus, the name that is so high is to be honored and given the highest respect. We should never use his name in a manner that is frivolous. We should not use his name in a manner that is lighthearted. We should never use it in an empty way, a thoughtless way, a senseless way, a meaningless way, in a casual way, or even jokingly. We also abuse the name of God by using it distastefully in vulgarity as well as profanity. The way we use God's name conveys how we really feel about God. Those who love God and take their relationship with him seriously. Look, those who love God and take their relationship with him seriously will be greatly offended when his name is dishonored. When you love God and you take his name seriously, then you are highly offended when you hear his name dragged through the mud, abused and just used any kind of whimsical way. Let me tell you something. Don't you mention the name Jesus Unless you mean it in the depths of your soul. Don't you say God unless you really mean from the depths of your soul God. That's right. Because his name is high and holy. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The name has power. The, 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 the name in itself means salvation. And we, we were saved by that name. And therefore, we ought to not be blasé or so casual about it. Let me give you a scripture to make you think before you just say anything about the name of Jesus. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 58 through 59. Deuteronomy 28, verses 58 through 59. Here's what it says. If you do not carefully observe all the words of this law that are written in this book, that you may fear, look, that you may fear this glorious and awesome name. Fear, that means reverence. That you may reverence this glorious name, this what? Awesome name. The Lord your God. Then the Lord will bring upon you and your descendants extraordinary plagues. Because of how you use the name of God, great and prolonged plagues and serious and prolonged sickness. Look how quiet it got then. I tell you what, many of us need to repent because we've just casually used God's name, maybe unintentionally, but still wrong nonetheless in a way that was not that that must not be used. Won't y'all say amen? amen? Number three, here's another uh, question we pose. Are you regressing in your walk with the Lord or are you growing? Are you 
Are you going backwards or are you going forward in your walk with the Lord? Are you regressing in your walk with the Lord or are you growing? Second Peter 3.18a says, but grow in, in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow. We are encouraged We are commanded to grow. The Lord does not want us regressing or stagnant, but rather he desires that all of us who are in Christ should be growing. Now, if you're not in Christ, you can't grow because you're not in him. You must be born again before you can grow. And once you've been born again, you become a spiritual baby. You don't become spiritually grown in the new birth experience. You got to go through babyhood. You got to go through the various phases. Uh, various phases. Your child, when, you, when your child was born, it did, your child didn't become ten in two days. You know, it took it took years to get to ten years old, and so it is in the Christian life. The Lord does not want us in regressing or stagnant, but rather He desires that we would grow. He desires that we would pursue Christian maturity and deepen our knowledge in Christ. You must put yourself in position to grow through personal Bible study, through God's word, conferences, BSF, seminars, church Bible study, uh, Sunday school and Bible school. And let me tell you something. There's a mis- there's a there's a false conception out there. A myth or whatever is that if you're going to these other entities to learn and grow, then you don't have to come to the Lord's house. That that is that is a that is a lie straight from the pits of hell. Growing comes in many venues, but is no substitute for coming to the Lord's house on the Lord's day to gather with God's people. God has deposited what he has in you from wherever you got it. If it's truth to come back into God's house with God's people to make a spiritual Blessing you to be a conduit of blessing amidst the people of God, and not only that, but you listen. You're not so grown that nobody can 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 no, no, that no one that you no longer need someone to deposit into you. That's right. You need to be depositing into someone, and someone needs to be depositing and discipling you f- f- to the glory of God. Don't you get so sp- your your bridge is so spiritually high. That you think you don't need spiritual growth and nobody can tell you anything because you've arrived. That's called pride. That's called pride. Matthew 5, 6 says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Let me say this. Many fail to grow because they are not in position to eat God's word. Eat of God's word at feeding time. They're conveniently absent. When you are hungry, hungry folk eat. When you want some food, you do whatever you can to get some food. And when you're hungry for the word of God, you will position yourself spiritually to put yourself in a seat. Be still. Stop walking. Put the put the extracurricular gadgets down. That's right. And don't be texting in church and cell phoning in church and and mind wandering all on the, the, the pot roast and the ham. That pork will be waiting on you when you get home. That's right. You folk are texting in church. You know, I, you know, and I know you got the word of God. You say, well, I got to, I have uh, my iPhone and all these things and I have the word of God and I see it. Well, good for you. I know you have it and I know it's not going anywhere, but I'm not approaching this 
sacred desk, the pulpit with a with an iPhone, an iPad. Just be, I don't go with everything that's trendy. Doesn't mean it's wrong. I'm not saying if you got the Bible and your gadget is wrong. I didn't say that. But I want to turn a page. I want to. I want to do one of these numbers and just touch that page. You ever done that? I want. I want to do some. I want. The, the, people say, well, you know what? I can do a path out. I can highlight. You need this version. And if you do this, you don't know what you're missing out. You slow pokey. What you say? I tell you what I can do that you can't do. <laughs> when I finish this book, I can take this book and hand it down to my child. With all my notes annotated and, it, and it's, it's well used by me. And won't this be a masterful piece for my child and my handing down this book is is far greater than handing down some piece of technology that's going to be outdated. Should you try to hand yours down? You know, try to hand yours down versus handing mine down. Okay, let me let me go on. It's getting quiet. You see, spiritual growth transcends numerical growth. Growing in numbers is good, but what is far greater is growing healthy in spiritual depth, substance, and vitality. Thank God that we're growing numerically. Thank God. I mean, just this past Sunday, we took in 16, uh, 16 members. Praise God for that. And the Sunday before, you take, you're taking in, taking it. We're over 1,700 now. Praise God for all of that. But... Uh, uh, but what excites me more than numbers is people growing spiritually. Because if you're growing in numbers, but the, but the church of living God is not growing spiritual, you're going to have some hell in the house. Hell in the house. Because you, you got a house full of spiritual babies and, uh, and they cried and whined and create all kinds of issues and more mess that you can clean up. I'd rather have 100... As confessed believers in the only true and living God, we miss out on countless blessings due to our lack of faithfulness, obedience, and service. The Bible tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Everything we need is at our disposal. When will we trust God enough to believe and depend on His Word? If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching by Pastor Rander, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, or call us at 210-821-5683.